Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Adios, old friend. Yeah, I've got no secrets and no regrets. Well, a lot of regrets, but the point is I've got nothing to hide. Kind of like the way Progressive shows you their competitors' rates. You gotta put it all out there, baby. Excuse me, miss. Does this heart belong to you? Would you like it anyway? Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparisons not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Ah, the copperhead snake. It hisses before attacking. But that's not a copperhead. That's the Sullivan's RV freshwater tank overflowing into their black one, which is backing into their vent pipe, making for a very different kind of attack. One that arrives just in time for taco night. It's wild out there. When it gets too wild, Progressive has your RV covered. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. What's good, y'all? It's your boy, Just Blaze, host of Above the Rim. Subscribe and tune in each week to hear me and a special guest discuss the latest in the NBA the way you want to hear it, with the topics that you want to hear. Keep it locked. Again, that's what you want. You want a guy who can make the game easy for you, a pass-first guy. And, he, and he's a quiet cat. I was a... <laughs> you didn't want to play with me. Yeah, oh, I'm still... I'm, trust me, if something go wrong around here, I am. <laughs> I'm never going to change. I don't know, how, how many times you watch Magic play? I consider myself the luckiest guy in the world, and most things line up for me. People get mad at that. Magic is the best point guard ever. Now he come back in the game to tutor, to tutor I mean to tutor, the best up and coming. Talk about it. You are now tuned in to Above the Rim. Welcome, 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 family, to the latest edition of Above the Rim, episode 77, brought to you by your honorable host, as always, it's your boy Justin, aka Just Blaze, joining me this week, I got another special guest to chop it up here with your boy, as I always do, y'all are in for a real treat this episode, 
He's a uh, pro basketball player developer, athletic career coach, spent time on the coaching squad at Iowa State, ran the Chauncey Billups Basketball Development Academy, developed some guys such as Jimmy Fadette, Ty Lawson, Monte Morris, worked out with Trey Young, among others, owner of A Basketball and a new author as well. My boy, my homie, Nick Graham. What's good, my brother? Thanks for joining me. Oh, man, what's going on, man? I'm excited to be a part of the movement, man. Yes, sir. Most definitely, man. I appreciate you taking the time out to jump on the episode on a short notice, showing your boy some love. Shout out to you. Yeah, no doubt, man. I went, it ain't no place in the world I'd rather be, man. Talking hoops with good people. Yeah, what more can you ask for? <laughs> Talk about I it. hear that, most definitely, man. And always, family, you can find Above the Rim anywhere you listen to podcasts, whether that be iTunes, Stitcher, Google, Spotify. To get in contact with me or the show, you can always hit me up and follow me on Twitter at JustBlaze underscore 513. That's J-U-S-B-L-A-Z-E underscore 513. On IG is JustBlaze513. On Facebook, you search Above the Rim Podcast and also email the show as well at Above the Rim NBA Podcast at gmail.com. Call up to talk about it line. If you got any feedback, responses, questions for the show, leave your boy your voicemail. It's 908-718-1592. Or you can send in responses via email as well. Nick, what can the, what can the people find you, my man? Man, you can find me at uh, my social media, Twitter, IG is at Culture or Die. I got my website too, NickGrahamPlayerDevelopment.com and my YouTube channel, Nick Graham Breakdown. Yes, sir. Family, make sure you go find each one of those. Most definitely. So, um, so Nick, man, so we're in for a great episode this week, as I mentioned before, um, because we're going to be discussing something that's near and dear to my heart. And it's point guards in the point guard position. And yeah. um, yes, sir. And uh, before we get there, but let's start with some news around the NBA, as I always do. And um, first up, my man Joel Embiid out there in Philly. Mm-hmm. Seems that uh, Joel is a little frustrated with his role since Jimmy Jimmy Butler was acquired in Philly. He recently came out and said that his uh, his recent usage as a stretch five stretch five really frustrates mm-hmm. me. He went and uh, he told reporters that he feels like his offense has taken a hit since Jimmy came. He said he hasn't been himself lately. Um, it seems like the past couple of games, the way I've been used as a spacer and the way that I play and the way our, our offense is set up, that Brett Brown has me on the perimeter a lot. So when I heard these comments from Joel Embiid, it was a little, it was rather peculiar for me, Nick. And um, the interesting to me for one reason. Number one, it's interesting because he's averaging the most minutes in his career right now, uh, four more than last year, 34 minutes. And number two is that, to me, that these comments tell me, because they're winning, mind you, Nick, that um, he wants to be the main reason for the full ascension of the 76ers if they do indeed make it to the finals, which in turn, to me, could cause a real problem come playoff time. Who's going to be option number one? To me, it seems like Joel likes to be that number one option and he likes to have the quote-unquote i guess acclaim of the star rather than fully rather than excuse me jimmy butler's coming in now taking some of the credit for these wins because they have been well over 500 since jimmy been there and they have been great so rather peculiar comments from joella b for me nick so what do you think about these 
Yeah, no, I think you make some accurate points, man. And I think that the first thing that he has to realize is we in the era of a super team. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah you got to you gotta be able to have some guys with you. You know, whether, I mean, we talking about KD going to Golden State mm. <laughs> to get his get his title. You know, and, and obviously like LeBron's, uh, LeBron, LeBron had Kyrie, he's got Kevin Love, and then he obviously had the people in the heat. Yeah. You know, so I, I think from, from that standpoint, he has to realize, like, especially as a big, especially as a big and he's not like a he's not like a he's not a greek freak kind of big you know he's different like yeah and watching this clip exactly but i do think some of the things after going back and looking at his last five or six games Mm -hmm. i think some of his you can one you can see he's visibly frustrated in the way he plays but he but he does play more of a stretch five like a lot of his stuff is off of actions where he's on the elbow Mm -hmm. even higher and then he, they put him in dribble handoffs, and then he's getting it off of rolls. And, you know, when you look at his stats, um, that's not where he's most effective scoring is off of rolling to the basket. Yeah. He's most effective, like, deep touches because he's got great size, you know, right on the block. But, you know, his sweet spot is getting in that deep mid post where he can face up yes. and use his height and use his skill and use his size. He loves and that face he's not getting up. a lot. Yeah, and, and I mean he can, but because he has everything at his disposal, he faces up. He's got touch off the glass. He can face up. He can put it. He can go baseline and get some action. You know, hit you with the dream shakes and all that Akeem Olajuwon mix up, or he can <laughs> go middle and do all that. And he hasn't to you know he has not been able to do that as of late. So I, I do see that. I think like you know like I think it's oh, some of the things that he does on the perimeter mm-hmm. they're over sensationalized. You know, like yes. he can shoot the jump Agreed. shot. But but I'm looking at his stats like mid range jump shots. That's uh, out to 17 feet. He's 27 percent. Mm. Three point jump shots. He's 25 percent. So it's not like he's Carl Anthony Towns out there and different it, things like that. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? So like they got to it's But it's changed, though. You know, like anytime, like look when LeBron came, look when LeBron went to Miami, like mm. it's going to take time. For them to figure it out but the thing that i think that they may not complement each other in terms of their you know they complement each other more in their mindset i think that like both mb and butler both have the, a toughness to them and they both have a swag oh, so 100%. i think they'll figure it out yeah, yeah. I, I definitely agree with you but to me the problem with that is the trio rather than the duo when you add in ben simmons mm. to that trio and his lack of shooting ability as we all know it it is well documented his lack of shooting ability you have two pillars of your offense ben simmons and and jimmy butler basically being attacking guards at all times and then also you have Mm -hmm. jj reddick to offset that and joel Embiid, Mm -hmm. i notice a lot that he does like to face up like you say he's not really a back to the basket Mm full-on hook shot um, he's more of a fadeaway face-up type of jump shot center, jump shooting center. So in turn, mm-hmm. I do see his point about how he's being used as a stretch five. But but to me, I feel like he's got to quiet that down right now because they're winning and they needed a guy like Jimmy Butler. Yeah. Jimmy Butler brings something else to the table, Nick. You know that. You know when you need that dog in the playoffs. Yeah. Jimmy is that guy. And yeah. Joel Embiid, we saw him get shut down last year, tab by Boston. A little bit mm-hmm. so they need a guy like jim you know on every squad you need a dog like jim 
Well, like, to, and I, I completely agree with you. To his credit, like, I did respect the fact that he went out of his way to make sure he said, I'm trying to make it clear that I'm not frustrated yes. with, with Butler, yes. you know, and all that kind of stuff. Yes. You know, so, like, to his point, he said that. But, no, I agree. Yeah. No, and, and, you know, what's crazy, and I think we're going to get into this as we move forward, but, you know, what's crazy, man, I was watching um, – a throwback game on on, on uh, NBA TV mm-hmm. from the eighties, and it was crazy. The entire the entire game was played mm. inside the three point line. <laughs> <laughs> it was like no spacing. Damn. Like everybody, including the person with the ball, was inside the three. Damn. You know, but because of now, like because of the spacing mm-hmm. and the ability to shoot and different things like that, everything is predicated on having. That space, that space, and like man. you said to your to your point, when you got two slashers that that you can sink off of when they don't have the ball and different things like that, that help. I think that's a part of his frustration, and yeah. you can see he's trying to figure it out. Like he's catching it on the perimeter, you know. Even though he's skilled, he's not gonna blow by you mm-hmm. like freak freak. Like he's different. Like he can he can catch it and he can put you to sleep, and that next step he's blowing by you. Yes, that's 100%. not Joel Embiid. So yeah, so like he needs the shooters and scores to space the floor so like when he puts it on the floor and he spins there's not somebody right there in his pocket yes so definitely a hundred yeah, they'll figure it out though yeah they'll, they'll definitely figure it out now i have um i hope so phil i actually think they're gonna do some damage so hopefully they figure it out and they are gonna be a a team to monitor in that situation as well but um moving on to my rockets I got a lot of feelers right now, man. Yeah. I'm upset. Nick, I'm upset, dog. <laughs> As you should be. Yes, I am. I'm very upset. So, uh, Mr. Eric Gordon had to go in the media, have some comments. Uh, my Rockets are moving in the wrong direction this season, and we're all frustrated. Lack of performance from the team. They lost to the, after the bad loss to the Jazz last week. They lost to the uh, Mavericks on Saturday. We got beat by the Rook, Luka Doncic. Put us on skates, went on 11-0 running. Mm, I was pissed that off. That tough step back. Man, mm. tough step back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that hurt my heart. You know, I had, I, I had, I couldn't do anything but respect it. But um, mm-hmm. Eric Gordon had the nerve, the unmitigated gall that Stephen A. says um, to speak out to the media with his underachieving ass right now. He said um, he's just not having fun. This sucks. Even when the, even the times where I have good games, we're just not using some guys the right way. Are we making the right sacrifices? Mm-hmm. Do we have the right attitude? Listen, man, Eric Gordon, my man, you are a, t- a tad bit upset. Because you're on the trading shopping mm-hmm. block right now. And you're feeling the pressure a little bit. The team needs a jolt of scoring, which you were supposed to be providing. But he's not. He's averaging 15 points this year, down from his 18 points per game last year, 36% shooting. And that's not going to cut it from one of the best six men in the league. And to me, of course you're not having fun. We're losing. Who has, this fun? Who has fun when you lose? It makes absolutely no sense to me. And to me... It was unnecessary for Eric Gordon to speak mm-hmm. out to the media, and I feel like it wasn't necessary right now. So this tells me there's a little bit of chemistry issues with my boys right now, Nick. So what's your thoughts on uh, EG and his comments and my Rockets, man? Yeah, so like, you know, I got something for you. Does this mean, you know, this is the same guy that like was excellent last year? Yep. Not just him. You got Gerald Green, excellent last year, yep. and all that kind of stuff. He's the same guy. You know, looking at his clips, 
last five or six games. I mean, he's getting the same shots. He's getting, yeah. you know, obviously he's playing with two creators, Harden and CP. He's getting open shots. He's being able to attack long closeouts and all that kind of stuff. So the thing that I think the deeper thing is the question to ask was Melo the scapegoat. Mm. Is it what we know this, Nick? It's a mellow mood out here, bro. <laughs> this just this just proves Talk about that. it. I know you're a mellow guy. I'm a mellow guy. You know what I mean? You know, he's one of the best in our generation yeah, by man. far, but I just that that's the thing that comes to mind. Like there is something going on. I don't know if it's a hangover, if they didn't they didn't get over um losing you know, losing to Golden State in the way that they did, or you know, the the moves that they made with Ariza and those guys. I don't know what it is, but I think it, it has to be something bigger than Melo and bigger than Eric Gordon. Yes, exactly. I definitely agree. I think there's a little bit of a chemistry issues within the locker room and they, and they have a couple of issues right now to be honest is bench production which they're last in the league the lack of coaching stylistic adjustments and i'm looking at you mike d'antoni terrible mm-hmm. adjustments or lack thereof adjustments i've never seen a coach that does all this hooting and hollering screaming on the sidelines but i really don't see him call any plays to be honest with you i never see cp all hearted look to him for a play during the game i always see them calling their own plays during the game so to me and as we all know what happened last year in the western conference finals with mike d'antoni when cp went out there was no adjustments again and that was the reason why they lost game six and game seven and i think also it's an overall lack of chemistry and i say that because mm-hmm. you brought up Melo before you were right on the money nick i strongly believe the way the front office handled that Melo situation i think it put a bad taste in some of the vets uh bad taste in the mouths of some of the vets pj tucker cp harden nene um because they were all friends and it was very sudden it was 10 games in and they did it Stephen a said that they did it without the consent of the star players so that's gotta be something right there. They didn't really like how that was handled, I feel like. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's something going on. I agree with you. Yeah. And, and you're exactly right, right? You know, that's what defines, going back to Dan Tony, that's what defines you as an NBA coach, yes. your ability to make adjustments. You have to be able to make adjustments, not just from game to game or quarter to quarter. You might you might have to make adjustments from timeout to timeout. So. Exactly. And, and he. he... <sighs> He does none of that. It's just an over-reliance on Harden and CP, basically to create for everyone on a nightly basis. And the Stars got to play a whole lot better as well. Let's be honest. Chris Paul got to play a lot better. Point guard, he's got to play a lot better. Um, James Harden, he's also got to play better in the way he's putting up nice stats, but they're a little bit empty. Some of those stats are empty stats. He over-dribbles on the clock. He dribbles about 20. 20 seconds on the clock sometimes he doesn't even pass or sometimes he passes to someone at the end of the shot clock and they're bottom of the league in pace man so you can't win games that way you can't you can't win games that way at all and there needs to be more than two creators or playmakers in the squad nick there has to be for a championship to contending team no, I'm, I I agree with that because I, I was thinking about that, right? If you got if you got two creators, mm-hmm. I mean, there there's if you just have if you just have two creators, I mean, mm-hmm. there's a lot that goes into that. One, what happens? You know, you got to bank on somebody getting hurt, somebody getting in foul trouble, yeah, and then you, and then you want to have somebody with that second unit that's that's just a killer. Exactly. Either way, you still need more. I feel like you need more than two creators for a championship contending team right now because we are in the 
super team era and they had a great team last year but they still need another piece and Darren Morey needs to go out right now Rockets front office has to make a trade immediately for some wing help and uh hopefully they do that because I'm at my wits end right now with the Rockets man do you do you think that they should have pulled the trigger on the Butler deal Hell yeah, they should have pulled up. Well, it wasn't really up to them. It was Minnesota who didn't want to yeah. okay, right, tra- right, right. trade right. for him. Yeah, they didn't want to take those four first-round picks. They didn't know? want to take the four first-round yeah. picks. Yeah, you know, Tibbs was being a chump at that point, man. He he just didn't want to trade him to a Western Conference rival. He was hating a little bit. <laughs> yeah, uh, I was upset about that. Um, so, yeah, Darren Morey got to make some moves, man. And um, so moving on, family. If most of you who listen, who who uh, as, excuse me, as most of you who listen may know, I play point guard my whole life, so I have a strong affinity to uh, the point guard position. And when I'm critiquing players, and um, you better believe the point guard gets it the harshest. And to me, basically, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Nick, but a point guard to me is the most demanding position in basketball. To me, a, a good point guard is he's expected to have. Exceptional ball handling skills, be a scoring threat, orchestrate the offense, create for others, play great defense. And basically, since your point guard is going to touch the ball more often than the other members on your team, to me, it's essential that he makes great decisions about what to do with it. And to me, without strong point guard play on your roster, your team is going nowhere. So to me, the point guard is the essence of your offense and your defense a lot of the times and to me it's the most vital piece so nick i'm gonna ask you uh in your opinion what makes a great point guard what are some qualities that you feel like makes a great point guard well i think that you know like you have to start as you talk about a point guard you got to start with intangibles before you start about anything tangible Mm. you know i think that that uh you ever meet people um and they change once they have kids oh yes (laughs) that's (laughs) That's the difference between being a uh, a non-point guard position and a point guard. Once you become a point guard, it's like changing from like you have all this freedom. You can do what you want to do. Now you got responsibility. Mm-hmm. Like you said, you have the ball in your hand. So you just have to have a feel. You hear people talk about feel, but not just like a physical feel. You have to have um, an emotional feel. You got to yes. be connected with your teammates. You know, say, for example, like I'm on when I'm talking to point guards. You got like if I take a shot and I miss it and I see I got to see that you were open in the corner and I got to pay attention to the fact that when you didn't get the ball, you hung your head. Mm -hmm. So now I'll come to you and be like, hey, bro, my bad. Hey, I saw you in the corner. I should have kicked it to you. I got you next time. Stay ready. Keeping people engaged. But like if you don't if if you if you don't have that, you're not going to be a very good point guard. You know, like. You know, I'm sure we'll really get into my relationship with Chauncey Billups, but it, it, it's been such a blessing for me mm-hmm. to like develop the relationship, big brother, little, rela- big brother, little brother relationship mm-hmm. I have with him, and listen to him. Uh, when they were when they were with the Pistons, I tell young guards this all the time. He said it wasn't good enough for him to know his assignments. Mm-hmm. He knew he was going to know that. He knew everybody yes. else's assignments you had on the to. floor. Yeah, so being a point guard, it, it's a it's a responsibility that comes with it. It's a consistency. It's just like your parents, you know, like your, your parents growing up, like they could, you know, work could be terrible. They could have been stuck stuck in traffic. They don't get to have an off day with their energy, their effort, and their attention as it relates to parenting you as a child. That's mm-hmm. what it's like being a point guard. Yeah, 
Definitely, I I hundred percent agree. And also to piggyback off of your point as well. Also, you have to be a game manager, and you have to be mm-hmm. an ex- excep- exceptional game manager. You have to have. To me, this is something that I feel like goes very underrated. Is I always scream about is you have to have a very high situational IQ. To me, to be a great point guard, mm-hmm. um, situational IQ in high pressure moments, late in the shot clock. Um, end of the games, clutch moments, last five minutes of the game, last two minutes of the game, things like that. You have to know who has a hot hand, who you think, sh- who you feel should Absolutely. get the right shot at any at any yeah. uh, point in time, and um, controlling the pace, man, and controlling the tempo of the game, and and like I said, recognizing well, who's a hot hand and dictating the pace. Yeah, well, to, even to interject, think about this: mm-hmm. like you have to be so far ahead, you have to be playing chess when everybody else yes. is playing checkers. What mm-hmm. about this? Okay. You know, not even just who has the hot hand, but who am I going to need to have the hot hand and win? So, like, if I got a guy on my team and, you know, like, I know late in the game, he's going to have the ball in his hands and he's capable of making plays. Mm -hmm. Well, I better start feeding him the ball so he can get in rhythm, because, like, if I'm not going to him, if the ball doesn't find him and then all of a sudden when he we're in the fourth quarter and we're feeding him the ball but he he's not in rhythm mm-hmm. because he hasn't gotten his shots he hasn't got a feel of how he's being guarded and different things like that chances are he's not going to be able to deliver for you yes yes definitely agree so um i wanted to ask you also do you feel like a point guard does a point guard have to be a great leader or can you have a great point guard that isn't a great leader what's your opinion on that uh i think you have to be a great leader <laughs> Mm. Um, I agree there but, also. I feel like you have but to. You don't have to necessarily like you got to do it. You got to be you. Mm. You know, God. God made us all. You know, God made us all the way He did for a reason. <clears throat> True. You know, so like you know, there are some guys that they're not vocal because like if you're gonna be a leader and you're not you know like a rah rah guy like there mm-hmm. you know for every guy that is super emotional that beats his chest that gives the, the impassioned speeches. There's a guy that's kind of laid back, you know, he's slow to speak or whatever. You got to be you got to stay true to yourself. True. So I think you have to be a good leader, but you can't you know, you can't allow people to make you think that you, you know, basically put a box on your leadership and it has to be a certain way. That is true. That is true. That is, that's a great point that you made, because there are different ways that you can be a leader. Some guys lead by example and, and things of that nature. So I definitely agree there. But to me. I feel like a point guard, he has to at least be at least not not afraid to carry out the coach's the coach's game plan, I was just say, because to me, a point guard has to be the extension of the coach and communication wise. He has to be able to not be able or not be afraid to tell guys where they need to be at certain points of the game, not be afraid to tell guys, listen, you're in the wrong spot. I need you in that corner, not that corner. I need you in the high post. I need you in the low post. But some guys, they may struggle with that vocal part of being a point guard. But to me, you have to have some sort of vocal this to you you get what i'm saying nick yeah you gotta yeah. have you gotta have a you gotta be authoritative yes and you have exactly. to have a that's presence. what i was looking say, for yeah say for example like me as a trainer right and i you know i have a lot of like people that want to get into player development mm-hmm. and like the mistake a lot of you know guys that you know work with me and you know i'm they're trying to you know they're trying to look at me 
and they're trying to do what I do. They can't, they're not, I'm, they're not me. Mm-hmm. And so like, it doesn't work. But the thing that I tell them, just like a point guard, you have to find your own way to have a presence. You know, like every great coach, I've, like I've been blessed because I've been around great leaders in basketball. Mm-hmm. I mentioned Chauncey Billups, but my dad's been uh, a college coach. He was a high major coach. He's a college coach for 28 years. He worked for Eddie Sutton, who should be in the Hall of Fame. Bill Self and him worked on the same staff. Right. And I was able, even at a young age, to see the difference in leadership styles. But they all had that thing about them, right? Yes. Where when they walk into, the, they walk on the court, people could be laughing and joking. But when they walk on the court, you feel their yes, presence. Yes, that authoritative so it's like the presence. Same, yeah, it's the same thing as a point guard. You know, you, it's like, man, he means business. But here's another thing, too. A point guard has to be able to not only lead and be authoritative and have those qualities with the team, he has to be able to do that with the coach. Because Mm -hmm. as a leader of the team, he has to be able to have the courage enough to go to the coach and be like, hey, coach, man, like you, 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 you know, you know, let's talk about how you went in on so and so because it's affecting them. Or like, let's talk about like, you know, even you might have to tell the coach that he's not you, he needs to push you guys more. Yeah. You know, I've seen I've seen I've seen Monte, I've seen, uh, you know, somebody I really admire, Monte Morris, you know, when he was at Iowa State, you know, mm-hmm. he would go um, coach prone, great coach and Fred Hoiberg, great coaches. But like he would go and, and meet with them and let them know the pulse of the team, not like he's snitching, but here's what we need from you. Yeah. So that leadership yep. goes both ways as a point guard. You got to be the spokesman for Definitely. the team with the coaches as well. 100%. That goes into the trust factor because that's a part of trust as well. You got to have the trust of both sides, actually, the coaches and the trust of your teammates. Yep. Definitely. And um, as far as point guards go, do you feel like passing right now is underrated as a skill? In these in these guys oh, now. Oh my goodness! <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yes, I absolutely. agree. <laughs> absolutely, it's it's under it's under under undervalued. But you know, it. I actually talked to Chauncey a lot about that, mm-hmm. and that's probably one of the biggest transitions. You know what's crazy? When I work out, an NBA guy. Yeah. Like when I was working out, Jimmer and Chauncey. I actually worked out Chauncey. By the way, that was. <laughs> probably the most intimidating thing I've ever done. He calls me and he's like, he's calls me and he's like, hey, you working out Jimmer? Jimmer for day. He's like, you working out Jimmer? I was like, yeah. yeah. He's like, all right, well, I'm going to come work out. Uh-oh. It's like 1030 at night. <laughs> he hits me up. The workouts are like nine in the morning. Man, I'm staying up all night. I'm, You know, because Chance is like my childhood hero, big yeah. shot, Hall of Famer. Word, Talk about his presence. He's, yeah. So you think about the presence somebody like that has and you're leading him in a workout. Mm-hmm. But my point being is, is like if I, I can feel the difference when they pass me the ball, like mm. even in a workout, like, yeah. you know, they'll 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 be coming off a screen and they'll have to pass to me and relocate. Like if I was to close my eyes and just catch a ball, I could be like, that's a pass from an NBA guard, mm. a bona fide NBA guard Hit you right versus the chest. somebody that's not. It hits you, but it's just got a pop to it. Yeah. It's almost like you want to go put some mitts on, you know, because it's got to get there. Yeah. <laughs> Word, I, I I definitely agree, and um, yeah, I I think it's so underrated as a skill. To me, I feel like because because it's like turnovers are up in the NBA season, and I feel like a lot of guys they have great ability, and sometimes passing to me go uh, coincide with decision making, and sometimes your passing ability. If you're, excuse me, if your decision making is lacking, sometimes I feel like your yeah. passing ability can't 
be up to par at, to what it should be as a point guard. And to me, passing is just, there's so many things involved in passing. It's knowing where to pass, knowing how yeah. far to pass it, knowing yeah. it, knowing the, the self-awareness, basically, to know, listen, I really can't make that pass. Oh, I'm bugging right yeah. now with that pass. Some, some of these yeah. dudes throw these three-quarter... Uh, uh, full court passes and they're just ridiculous and I'm like dude or just lazy passes off the pick and roll lazy. I see a lot yeah. the, the, Nick man it kills me when I see point guards do these lazy ass pick and roll passes that's gotta kill you oh it does I mean it starts and it starts at a young age and you're like this like when I'm working out with like younger kids high school like if they pass me the ball and it's lazy I just won't catch it. I'll move out the way. <laughs> so, <laughs> they'll fi- they figure it out real fast. But no, you're, you're exactly right. You know, like I, you know, I try to simplify uh, my teaching when I'm working mm-hmm. you know, with players. But when it comes to passing, it's, it's twofold. Yeah. You got you got to You got to be able to see it and you got to be able to make it like making it is the skill. Right. Seeing it is like the decision making. Yes. No different than like quarterbacks. You know, you look when it's time to draft a quarterback, you'll see these guys in the workout when they got their tights on and, and uh, the combine and it ain't nobody out there and they can they can throw it 80 yards. There's a lot of people that have the skill. Exactly. But you got to be able to you got to be able to you got to be able to put it all together and it's got to be instinctive. Yes. You know, like Kevin Durant, um, I was part of this leadership group through Athletes in Action. It's a pretty good, cool deal. We take 25 Division One high caliber players that are leaders in their team. We take them on a five-day retreat and help them develop character. Mm-hmm. This is this speaks to what kind of person Kevin Durant is. The night before the Rocket, before one of the games against the Rockets, I think it was game one, he FaceTimed our group and had every and talked to everybody for about an hour, let them ask the question. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that stood out to me is is like you gotta play basketball. Yes. Like passing. You got to play competitive basketball with people that are that know how to play that are going to comp- that are going to compete where you can develop the, you know, develop the feel for passing. No different, di- different, different than you develop the skill for playing. Mm-hmm. You know, like, say, for example, like you said, decision making. I make a pass. I see somebody coming off a cross screen. I throw it in there. But as soon as he catches it, there's somebody there. So he can't make a move. So I'm handcuffing. him. Yes. I got to be able to see that. And I got to be able to see that in live time. That, that takes a lot. Yes, it does. It takes IQ for that as well. Um, quick thing, so I wanted to ask you. So I was talking about this with uh, one of my boys the other day. So we were having a little debate about this, and it's about um, selfish assists. So I told mm-hmm. him that to me, in my opinion, there is such a thing as selfish assist to me in my absolutely. mind. And he said there's no such thing. Oh, so you're with me that there is such a thing, right? Absolutely. absolutely. He said there's no way it can be selfish if it's an assist. Yeah. You're getting someone else a, a, a bucket. I said, listen, there is. I used Rajon Rondo as an example sometimes in a few years that he had in Boston. To me, I feel like if you're only, if you're dominating the ball, for a long enough period of time where the shot clock and you get into about 20 seconds of the shot clock even though you got your guy a great shot you didn't want to give up the rock until you wanted him to shoot to me and to me that's an example of a selfish assist so i'm glad you agree with me there absolutely i mean like it's just like yeah you know you have to trust your teammates yeah like you just said earlier you said to win a championship it takes to have three people that can create yeah so you gotta know like someone like this guy can create and the other way to get selfish assist is i was watching a game yesterday i was watching a college game this guy had a wide open 
15 foot floater pull up jump shot mm-hmm. but he was playing to get an assist Tall. <laughs> you know what I mean because he wants to have 12 13 assists mm-hmm. you know you gotta have that feel just let the, like you heard it we all heard it when we played let the game come to you yeah. let, the, the game is gonna tell you what play to make and when to make it Definitely, definitely 100. So I'm glad you agree with me. Yeah, so I'm about to let him know, fam. You wrong. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. And, um, so today's NBA, you know, the the point guard itself has been maneuvering over right now. It's been moving over more to moving away from, excuse me, more from the traditional point guard and moving over to into the scoring point guard. And it feels like the role is slowly changing or kind of being phased out in a way. And defenses, defenses are becoming more and more aggressive in how they defend the pick and roll. And mm-hmm. offenses are now moving their best shooters off of the ball a lot more. And as that happened, it's been important for offenses to develop their forwards and develop some of their centers as a primary ball handler. So it's in, in turn, it's actually diminishing the value of a quote-unquote traditional point guard like a cp3 like a guys like that and um so i wanted to ask you in your opinion nick how valuable do you feel the traditional point guard is in today's game and is it being phased out as well for the scoring guard um i think that i think the point guard is is always going to be valuable i maybe i'm biased Mm. um but i just think that like when you have uh you know when you have uh, Steph Curry or you know a mm-hmm. CP or you just have a strong lead guard it's like you got a strong leader with the ball in his hands and somebody that people you know look up to I think that the point guard is definitely um I don't I don't think it's being phased out okay. I think it's evolving mm, uh, I think point. it's evolving um you know and I think that you know the biggest thing you know one of the I was so uh, such a blessing to be at Iowa State last year you know, I think that, you know, that year there allowed me to be a more empowered, equipped uh, player developer, you know, mm-hmm. because when you're sitting there assisting with a staff game plan and the go play, you know, and, and it was the perfect time for me to do it because the Big 12 was the best uh, conference in the country last year. You know, but the th- one of the big takeaways is, is, man, and this is what I tell like young players, you've got to be able to shoot. Yes, That's you difference. have to. You have to. My dad in '95. Um, my dad, uh, big country. Remember big country? Yeah, yeah. My dad, my dad coached big country. They went to the final four in '95. They had a hard nosed, tough point guard kid named Andre Owens, mm-hmm. JUCO point guard. Couldn't shoot. I mean, he couldn't shoot. He knew he couldn't shoot. But back then, like you could get away with being a point guard, being tough, mm-hmm. being able to handle the ball, oh, handle knows. pressure and just yeah. yeah, get the ball to where it needs to be. I don't think you can be that anymore in today's game. Like, mm-hmm. I, yeah, I don't think. And I think that's where it's evolved from. And, and I'm glad, you know, like I, mm-hmm. I am glad because like, you know, Chauncey and I have talked no reference trying to say a lot but it just goes to show like yeah. how much he took me under his wing we right. had like these talks but you know he when he first started playing with Larry Brown you know it was it was they had to figure that out because Larry Brown was like yo a point guard is what Eric Snow is yes 
Yes. And Chauncey's like, yes. hold on. <laughs> you know Come what on, I mean? I could put the ball in a bucket, though. <laughs> exactly. And so, like, they it, they actually, like, you know, they came together. And, I, you know, it goes to show about being a leader. Yes. Um, yeah. You know, his leadership showed, like I said, in him, you know, being able to, like, have a conversation with Larry Brown and them get on the same page and figure out, okay. They actually, you know, got together and figured out what is, in a lot of ways, new point guard. Okay. Like I need you to get the ball to my, I need you to get the ball to rip. I need you to get the ball to sheet. And he's like, okay, but yeah, I, I realize that you can really score the ball. And you're a gifted scorer, yeah. so we got to let you do that as well. Definitely. So I just think it's, I just think it's evolved. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you 100%. I do think it's evolved, and I, and I think it's evolved for the better. But I do would like, to, I would like to see some of these scoring point guards develop their passing skills a little bit better and some of their situational oh, IQ a little bit better. I'm looking at you, Russell Westbrook. I'm looking at you at times because he kills me. But yeah. that's yeah. the only thing I feel like they should work on, I should say. No, I completely agree. Yeah. I completely agree. It's going back to that feel, like you said. Like I, and I'm a big Russ fan because yeah. he's tough, he's hard nosed. Of course. And I'm from I'm from Oklahoma originally, so <laughs> you know I'm a big I'm a big Russ guy. Mm-hmm. But you know there are times, you know, even I remember when KD was on when KD was on the team, and there were times down on a stretch where like he would go down and it'd be like KD hasn't touched the ball. Six straight trip. Yeah, ridiculous. That should never. That should never happen. That should never happen at all. That should never happen. You know, because like it's it's just like you're you're one of the most gifted scorers in the league. Yeah, as a as a point guard, you got to keep people engaged. Yes. How do you keep them engaged? Give them the ball. <laughs> at least you don't give them the feel. ball. They, they got to be touch it. Yeah, they got to touch exactly. it. Even if they give it back to you, they at least got to touch it. Got to feel it. They got to get. I have to get into that rhythm throughout the game. That's that's something exactly. that point guards definitely have to do. Yeah, exactly. Definitely, and um, I mean, and it's it's kind of weird when you think about it because over the the past years, uh, NBA titles they were kind of like mixed with our uh, scoring point guards and passing point guards. Like we know, Magic had five. Rajon Rondo's one of the few passing point guards with the title. He has one. Jason Kidd also as well as one. Isaiah Thomas has two. But I don't know if you can. You consider Isaiah Thomas a passing or a scoring point guard? To me, he was just both. He was just an all-around guard yeah. to me. Yeah. Man, I'm glad you said that. Yeah. So, so, like, I think that... So, here's here's what I've realized in trying to develop young point guards. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't... I'm not going to... My, my pastor says this. He says, don't let people label you because when they label you, they limit you. Yeah. Like, when you tell somebody, like, you're a passing point guard, then they... Or go be a pass point for go be a passing point guard. Mm-hmm. They don't look to score. They've yes. accepted that label. Yep. When you tell somebody they're a scoring point guard, they don't look to pass. Develop, like you said, develop the IQ, develop the feel. Like if you're a true creator, you're creating, right? It's almost like a, a quarterback that that uh, can that's very mobile. Aaron Rodgers, perfect mm-hmm. example. Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers when he's healthy, he wasn't healthy this year, but when he's healthy. Like at any given moment, if he senses pressure, he can escape and he can scramble. Yes, which is the equivalent of a point guard saying, "Okay, I'm a, I'm a shoot," right? But like if he only looked to run and never looked to pass, like that wouldn't work. If he just looked up, if, if he couldn't, if he could had to pass and couldn't feel when to run, that wouldn't work. But he just has a great feel for the game. 
I'm going to run because the situation says so. I'm going to pass because the situation says so. That's where, you know, you, and that's why I love Chris Paul. Mm-hmm. You know, Chris Paul, like, does point that God. very well. Point, point God. And the thing about it is, is like his scoring is underrated because his point guard skills are so good. 100%. He's a, he's a, he's a great shooter. He makes open shots. Yep. But like he plays the game as a point guard, I feel the right way. He eats most of the time when he plays, he either starts the game and he's either going to be in attack mode, probably because of something he's seen on film or how he's mm-hmm. being guarded. And he's going to look to score, understanding that they're going to adjust. As soon as they adjust, then he's going to pick you apart. And that's when he gets his assist. Then you adjust to that. Then he goes back to scoring. So whatever you do is wrong and everybody's engaged. He has he has the perfect uh, feel for picking his spots. Perfect. Like most of the yes. time. Yeah. When Chris Paul scores, it's like in bunches, you know, like he'll watch it and they'll be like for the first nine minutes. He hadn't scored. He shot once. Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden, he just goes on a barrage and he has, you know, 10 points in five minutes. Yeah. You know, so. Most definitely. To me, uh, everybody knows CP3 is my favorite player in the league. But he he's just, to me, he's a perfect game manager. I call him. Yep. He's a perfect orchestrator. He's a perfect all-around guard, in my opinion, even though in his... uh short stature it doesn't matter because he's a bulldog on the offensive and defensive side of the ball and he does guard those post-ups very well people a lot they try to switch on him as well and he does that so chris paul to me is one of the greatest greatest game managers ever of all time actually one of the greatest point guards of all time so that's a hundred percent correct is what you're saying man most definitely and um so, so what what do you feel like these young guys that are coming into the NBA, these young players, what are some like development skills that you feel like they're lacking coming into the NBA? Because I know you're working out a lot of these guys and some of these dudes be lacking, Nick. Some of these guys are lacking. Yeah. So, I mean, I think the first thing like you asked uh, about point guard, mm-hmm. I think the biggest thing is like life skills. Yes. Oh. <laughs> like, like life skills. Um, Underrated. Yeah. And and the thing is, is like I don't. It's unfor. I've had the unfortunate pleasure of watching three people mm. I know close to me get to the NBA and exit before they should have, mm. and watch them go broke. All that. Seen it. Mm. And. You know, so like that's the biggest thing. I, I believe that if you work on being the best person you can be, being the best basketball player you can be, to take care of yourself. So I think that that's the first thing: yes. learning how to be a pro. True. Don't wait till you become a pro because here's the thing. Let's just be real. Like I said, I've experienced somebody close to me mm-hmm. that got that was a one and done. That's family that got that got drafted, mm-hmm. one and done. But that's a two year contract. That third year is a player option. Yes. You know how fast that comes and goes and you how know what fast I mean? so, spot could be taken too yeah, yeah so like he didn't learn you know he didn't learn how to be a pro until after he was out of the league uh. by that time he had burned every bridge possible and i get it because you're 18 you're 19 everybody's telling you how great you are it starts when they're young yeah. people can identify somebody that has a chance to go to the nba as early as seventh and eighth grade and everybody in their life is telling them how great they are yeah and they they avoid people that keep it real with them i mean even like i've seen i've seen people discredit chauncey billups advice and listen to some dude that doesn't know anything across the street because they're telling them what they want to hear you know it's crazy yeah uh, yes man yes (laughs) yes man yeah so that's the first thing but in terms of 
and skill, like everything that we've been talking about, just understanding like today's players are as skilled as ever before. Like Chris Paul was in the interview. He's like, man, it's like nine, 10 year old kids doing Euro steps. I didn't do a Euro step to my second year in the NBA. <laughs> So it's it's not the yeah. skill, but they don't know how to apply it. Yeah. They don't have the feel, and yeah. that's kind of why I started the the YouTube channel I did, the Nick Graham Breakdowns. Is mm-hmm. you know, Chauncey and I talk all the time about the the lack of feel, the lack of yes. IQ, and different things like yes. that. So like just developing the IQ, like kids don't watch basketball, they don't study the game, and it's easy, it's easy, so much easier for them to dominate than ever before a, so yes. they can get away with not learning those fundamentals that's, like you're talking about crazy. passing and that's yeah like all that so all that stuff just get with some just get with some older guys that have been to where yeah. you want to get and just shut up and listen to what they're trying to teach you. exactly i mean that that's crazy to me how some some of these young guys are not really watching film the way they need to or not putting in the dedicated time to watch film and to get and to become smarter on their craft and a, a lot of them i know some people blame aau and how a lot of these young guys are coming up in the aau that is killing a lot of the basic fundamentals of basketball and they're focusing a lot more on the on the theatrics of basketball mm-hmm. but i mean some of the kids are bigger faster stronger right now having a lot of athleticism but they they're lacking the iq as as you alluded to before and when their athleticism finally decreases as it always does father time is undefeated they lack that iq that they need and the ability to break down plays the ability to comprehend what they're doing wrong on the basketball court on a game plan standpoint and be able to improve on that on the fly <clears throat> i think a lot of those those are skills that you have to learn i feel like it I, some people are born with it of course but a lot of people they have to actually sit down and learn those techniques from a development coach like you something like that so i i feel like these they really have to get back to the basic fundamentals sometimes and i feel like I, i'm not sure why they're not learning the basic fundamentals maybe you could help me out on that i'm not sure but i really don't get it. yeah well i think it's big like you know <laughs> Uh, it's not the kids' fault; it's the culture's fault. Yeah, like our, we got to get the culture back, and you know, uh, and we have to. I think that there are a lot of people. When I talk about the culture, I'm talking about the culture, uh, youth competitive youth basketball culture. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm thirty. I'm thirty seven years old, and you know, my high school coach was a really good coach, really hard nosed. One of the best coaches I ever had was my first coach, Willie Sumlin, a dude in Dallas. Mm -hmm. He coached Larry Johnson. He coached everybody when they was eight, nine, ten years old. He was talented enough to be a high school coach, maybe even a college coach. Yeah, man, go look at the go look at the the quality of coaching now. You know, like so, I think that it has to start. Like everybody is quick to point the finger. If you're not part of the problem. If you're not part of the solution, you're part of the problem. Like we have to come together for the sake of these kids and and the the people like uh, you know uh, Chauncey Billups. Like I said, I, I mention him a lot, but like I just really respect like how he goes about his business. But mm-hmm. in Denver, you know, he's talking to coaches. He's like we did it. We did a free camp in Denver, and we invited. We had a coaches clinic for every coach. We provided free lunch. 
and Chauncey like went through like breaking down pick and taught him how to defend pick and rolls taught him how to do different things we had a question and answer and different things like that to empower those guys yeah we have to have we have to come together as a basketball community and do more stuff like that and i think that if we do that and we stay committed to that and everybody drop their ego um i think that maybe we can we can make a difference but until that happens we're going to continue to see these players that are like you said bigger faster stronger but they lack the substance to be able to reach their potential man it's 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 a lot of that going on so um i'm glad you brought that up as well because i wanted to talk to you a little bit about of how you got your start in uh player development as well and how you got linked up with chauncey and things of that nature so let me know a little bit or let the family know i should say how you got your start in doing that because that's a that's a good thing man that's a great thing yeah yeah no it's uh so like i always Mm. uh i was always around the gym i love basketball yeah um and i remember when my dad was a college coach Mm. when i was like in high school and in junior high i would be able every now and then i'd be able to practice with the guys and work out with them well, there are a few guys um, that this I didn't even know there was a such thing as a basketball trainer back then. And this guy flew in a trainer and they let <laughs> yeah. me work out with him. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. Nobody had ever like broke down my game. He taught me the in and out. <laughs> that he, like I was I didn't have back then I didn't have no moves even like, do the hoop. in and out right now. Yeah, and I was like, <laughs> and he broke it down to me and taught it and gave me the fundamentals and I killed. Like I, I took that move and mm-hmm. people to this day ain't able to stop it when I do it. So yeah. like I think that kind of ignited the flame and I always had a passion for it. Yeah. I didn't even know that that was something I could pursue. And then when I, I played college basketball for my dad and my college career sucked, <laughs> it was trash. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was. And, you know, yeah. I feel I hear a lot of successful people say that um, there's a co- correlation between the worst moment of their life, the worst period of their life and the success in yeah. their life and that's kind of what happened True. you know out of that pain i was just i felt like if i had somebody that uh believed in me mm-hmm. um from a mentality standpoint that taught me through my tough times and then could cultivate my talent i never thought i was good yeah. like i never really thought i was good as a player i thought and i didn't really here's what's crazy i didn't realize i was good as a player until i started working with ty lawson as a as a player development guy speedy ty yeah we had a we had an all-star game at our camp yeah and ty's ty like at this point i'm probably like you know 29 30 years old i don't remember Mm -hmm. and we have an all-star game at his camp and his he cheated if you ever see him he cheated he paid the ref (laughs) that's like we was up 10 but like he i mean ty was going hard i mean i ain't gonna lie he gave me buckets like he probably gave me like a good 40 but i gave him a good 28 (laughs) (laughs) but i gave him a good 28 and my point being is it's like i realized i began to realize the difference that somebody Uh that like really knew the game to invest in me and give me a game plan definitely making my life and so i just kind of followed that path i just felt like there was a lane for it and it went from no, knowing nobody in Denver, not having a gym, yeah. not knowing anybody, and just building it up, and then got to the point where you asked Chauncey Phillips. So, segueing into that, my yeah. dad recruited him, ah. and I was a little kid. Yeah, so my dad recruited him. When I was a little kid, and he came on his visit, and, and my dad came home, and he just talked about this kid from Denver, Colorado. This is before the internet, so my dad would like, mm-hmm. like he would, I would sit there, and that was what I did when he come home from his recruiting trip. He would come home and 
tell me the kids he's seen. He'd be like, man, I saw this little six four guard from Oakland, California, named Jason mm-hmm. Kidd. Make sure you remember that name. And sure <laughs> enough, the next year I see Jason Kidd or whoever. And then like when he saw Chauncey, he never talked about anybody like he talked about Chauncey. And so like he like tell me the moves he did, and I would go outside and just do the moves that my dad told me, just visualize it. Mm. So Chauncey became my favorite player before I even knew what he looked like. Mm. And uh, then he ended up going to Colorado, obviously. And uh, I got to meet him one time when I was younger, and I thought I thought surely he didn't remember who I was. And like I had built my business up in Denver to the point where he kind of you know he keeps his ear to the streets in yeah. the Denver basketball community. And he, he wanted to meet with me and he wanted me us to work together to develop this training program in a gym that he had just built. And through that training program, we would work with the best players in the state. Yeah. Fly in college professional yeah. players from all over the world. Yeah. And kind of took me under his wing. So like that was one of the most rewarding moments of my life to That's have dope. like my basketball hero recognize, you know, my professional um my professional ability and, and yeah. achievements and want to work with me. And then he just took me under under his wing. And I think the coolest thing about that is, is like when you look up to somebody like I look up to him, it's easy to look up to somebody from afar. And then when you get close enough, you kind of see their blemishes and weaknesses. Yeah. But then you realize yep. they're not who they project. <laughs> then it might it's go away exact, a little bit. Yeah. yeah, it's the exact opposite with him. Yeah. Like he was, you know, he, he is what you see on TV, the good guy that you hear about. That's who he is. So. He's definitely made a positive impact on me. Definitely. And I'm glad you brought him up because I got to give our man, Mr. Big Shot, a shout out too. Because I said it on Twitter the other day. Killing ESPN right now with the analyst work. Right after Stephen A. That's my, my rankings on, on, on ESPN, mm-hmm. man. You got Stephen A up there. Then um, you got Chauncey right there. Then you got Jalen Rose. That's that's top yeah. three ESPN. But Chauncey number two, he definitely rose up in those rankings, man. Shout out to him with the analyst work. Uh, definitely good, yeah, man. Yeah, for sure. And he the best dress. Oh, best word. Dress. <laughs> Shout out Dre. Like, yeah, that's my, that's my homeboy, Andre, that, that keep him clean. Oh, yeah? Oh, listen. Y'all yeah. got to tip Dre, man. Chauncey got to give him an extra tip for Dre. Yeah, <laughs> listen, keep him clean. Th- those three pieces, Chauncey be cleaning them three pieces, man. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. That that was a uh, a dope story how you guys got linked up, man. That, that That's really cool. And mm-hmm. a lot of people, too, they definitely slept on Chauncey's career as well like uh, he got a lot of acclaim and everything like that after he got to Detroit because of the title but they were sleeping on Boston Chauncey Denver Chauncey mm-hmm. buckets all yeah. around because he never had the highlights I guess because mm-hmm. that was uh, Chauncey back with the part in his head right Chauncey had the part in those yeah, the zigzag, the z- <laughs> hey the zigzag I used to have that in high school come on man hey, I'm a big shot yeah <laughs> Yeah, definitely, man. So, uh, yeah, they they were definitely sleeping on them, man. And also, you do so you do a lot of a uh, excuse me, uh, breakdowns on your YouTube as well, right? So a lot of play breakdowns as well. Yeah, man. So yeah. you know, uh, like I said, if you if mm. you're not uh, part of the solution, you're part of the problem. Yeah. You know, so like I think that we also have to figure out, like you know, we used to, back in my day, I used to watch three hours of film, and yeah, yeah but we film work. we didn't we didn't. We didn't have Snapchat and we didn't have Instagram. If we had those distractions, we probably wouldn't be watching it. So like with this with this breakdown, I'm trying to reach the developing players Mm -hmm. and people that just want to study the game and understand the game at a high level. But do it in a way that's, you know, convenient and, you know, fits in with the the days and times we're in. So like with the YouTube channel, if you want to go watch 
you know, big man, like how big men score off of short rolls, or if you want to go watch uh, changes fees, or if you want to go watch assists, we talked about passing. Like, I, you haven't seen this one, but I got uh, two different clips of just assist off pick and rolls of mm-hmm. LeBron James, uh, highlights, assists, and stuff like that. Yeah. They do voiceovers to really help them understand and really know what they're looking for. So, Definitely. like I said, man, I'm just trying to do my part to, not that I'm a know-it-all, I'm just somebody that is grew up at, because of good basketball culture and trying to... Um, trying to promote that and just be a course, part of it man. and with that yeah and i want people to i don't want this just to be about me so i'm actually looking for you know people that love the game and know the game that want to be contributors because mm-hmm. we got to figure out a way to reach definitely. and, and educate and, and empower this generation of basketball players definitely 100 percent, man 100 percent. dope thing definitely there and um so family, you know what time it is. It's time for the crossover yeah. segment. Not a game. Uh-oh. Not a game. Mm. Not a game. Uh-oh. We talking about practice. Nick G, my brother, I got some good ones this week for you in my crossover segment, man. Critically acclaimed now. <laughs> uh crossover segment. So for my new listeners, um, I'll be throwing out play comparisons from different eras. My man Nick acts as GM and he tells me who he would take out of the two in their primes if he was building a team. So I got some good ones here for you, Nick. So let's start off here. First up, are you taking a prime Gilbert Arenas, Agent Zero, or Kemba Walker right now? (laughs) Let me me give you the... I already heard that, but let me give you the career stats. (laughs) Um, Gilbert, 20 points, three rebounds, five assists, one steal, 42% from the floor, three-time All-Star, one-time most improved. Kemba... BX's zone, 19 points per game, three rebounds, five assists. Look at that, how how uh similar their, their career stats are. 23 and 5 for Gilbert, 19, 3 and 5 for Kemba Walker. One steal, 42% from the floor, and a two-time all-star for Kemba. So uh Nick, taking Gilbert or you taking Kemba? First off, I'm a big Kemba guy. Mm-hmm. I love like how he plays is how I love, you know, the herky jerky change yeah. Like he's a plays a lot like how I would want to play, um, but mm. one I, I I play I played against Gilbert at Arizona, mm. you know, so I got some ties to that for the old guy. But your nick if your nickname is the Hibachi, <laughs> how can I go against that? I mean, the nickname says it all. Hibachi. I mean, he just yeah. I mean, he was it was just a different it was just a little different deal with Gilbert, man. Mm. I mean, he just he was a he was a bucket bucket <laughs> and. He's been in the playoff. Yes. Agree. But I would say that to be fair to Kemba Walker, he did have a better... <sighs> he definitely had a better wa- a roster, I would say, as a whole. Oh, with, Ka- sure. with Karan Butler and Tom Jameson. They are better than Nicholas Batum, Jeremy Lamb, uh, Tyler Zeller, whoever else they have on that horrible roster that he's carrying. But... Nick, my brother, I'm going to have to disagree with you here, my brother. <laughs> I think okay. I'm going to go with Kemba because, I mean, I could be a little bit biased right here. So that's full disclaimer. I could be. But to me, Kemba is the prototypical New York point guard. That's exactly how we play out here. Scoring guards. Mm-hmm. Definitely could add a little bit more passing, but he's up there. Career high in assists this year with six assists. Career high in points this year. He's finally getting his just due over there with MJ, but I feel like he's doing him dirty. So he has to leave 
and he has to come to NYC, hopefully. But to me, Kemba Walker, his his herky-jerky, like you said, his change of direction, like you said, I think Gilbert had a better jump shot, had a better three-point shot. But I feel like Kemba, to me, has more, I would say, star quality. I'm going to give it to him, number one. And number two, I think he has more... Damn, I can't even say takeover ability because they both are explosive. Gilbert will give you 50. Hibachi, easy. Yeah. So, from the parking lot, though. From the parking lot. <laughs> Man, listen, he was pulling up from 30, from 40, right? especially in the Eastern Conference in those playoffs. But... I still got to give it to Kemba, man. To me, I just like Kemba's game a lot more. And to me, if I'm building a team, I think Kemba gives me a little bit more. And to me, I think he gives you a little bit of a, a little bit more of the leadership aspect. And I'm going to go with Kemba for it in that regard. So, no, uh, there's no wrong answer there. That one was a tough one for me, Nick. Tough. Yeah, that was tough. That was, that tough. was tough. Definitely. So, um, hopefully, hopefully this one, yeah. hopefully this one is easy. I don't know, man. <sighs> This one here is very conflicting style-wise. So, building a team. You got Prime, Charles Barkley, round mound or rebound. Or are you taking Giannis Antetokounmpo right now? Building a team. Let me give you the career stats. Giannis, 17 points per game, 7 rebounds, 4 assists, 1 block, 1 steal, 52% from the floor, 2-time All-Star, 1-time Most Improved. Chuck, round man, rebound. We know he's a all-time 50 great. 22 points per game, 11 rebounds, 4 assists, 1 steal, 54% from the floor. One-time MVP, 11-time All-Star, 5-time All-NBA First Team. We know he has the accolades over Giannis, but if you're building a team, Nick, you got prime Chuck, prime, well, Giannis right now. Who are you taking? Yeah. Well, like, yeah, I saw you correct yourself because the dude is just 23. So yes. He's not even in his prime Yes. Yet. <laughs> so, Ascending, man, I got to go Giannis. with... Yeah, I got to go with Greek Freak, man. Mm. And I like, you know, I like Chuck. I mean, I got, I mean, I think that just with his, you know, actually, you got to check it out. I, I just did some breakdowns on him. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, you Greek know, Freak? but like, yeah, yeah, I just did like three breakdowns on him. But maybe that's just because that's fresh in my head. But like, Basically, you got a guy that like how do you guard him because like however you guard him like one possession you know he's a traditional back to the basket post player that's catching on a block then the next possession he's getting a rebound and he's pushing the and he he's pushing the ball and being a point guard yeah. and not like a guy there's a difference between a big that gets the ball and he can bring it up no he can he can play the point like he's scanning the floor. Yes. He's got to change of pace. He Legitimate can point guard too. <laughs> averaging six assists this year. What? It's so I got to go with him, man. Mm, listen, Nick, you a smart man, my brother. Very smart man. Because I'm going with Giannis as well. I really thought you was gonna go with Chuck. I'm not gonna lie, I really did. But um, to me, I definitely listen. Before the world gets crazy, we know Charles Barkley had a better career. We know that. That's not what we're saying. But if you have prime or Giannis right now, not even really in his prime yet, so he's going to get better when he does mm-hmm. finally get a jump shot over prime Chuck. I'm going Giannis because he is, to me, is a generational talent. Like, he's generational, mm-hmm. man. And to me, he's he's kind of low-key 
on the lowest of keys dominating at the rim like in a way we haven't seen since like Shaq kind of but he's dominating in a different way like to me he's, a different way what I think yeah, yeah he's got that crazy yeah. fan so the like length. you think yeah so he, you got him pushed out on the floor he might just dunk <laughs> but you know what I really like about him mm. is did you see what came out earlier about like they asked him like how he de- they talked to him about how he declined workouts with LeBron yes yes that's what I like. He mm-hmm. said, no, I said, I ain't out here to make friends. No friends. I, I, was, I don't like that dude. <laughs> That's what I, that, those are great comments there from uh, Giannis, man. And his length, like you said, his length is quickness, size, power. And I mean, he's some, a lot of times he's dunking through dudes now. It's not even over you anymore. He's dunking through yeah. you and over you. Yeah. Yeah. It, you get that jump shot, it's over. He's it's got not, it. It's, See, this is a great question. How many years do you think it's going to take Giannis to get that jumper? A respectable jumper where someone's going to fear it. Not a, not a 1 out of 10 or a, like a 7 out of 10, 70%, 50%. Man, I don't think, I think at most two. Mm. Just because like, I just think like listening to those comments, you know, I, I think that he's a gym rat. I think he's yes. somebody that's committed. Definitely. I think he'll... You know, I think that he hears people saying, I think he's the type of dude that he hears the comments about, you know, if he only had a jump shot and that just like burns, burns his belly. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. gonna, can't wait to prove people wrong. Yep. So. I, I agree that see, to me, I always feel like in the, in practice, I feel like he's making those, like he's hundred percent making those shots that he's taking. But I feel like it's a confidence factor in the games. That sometimes he's not as comfortable taking it in the middle of the game because he knows that it counts a lot more. So sometimes when your mental psyche, if you yeah. think or hesitate once, you're gonna miss. Yeah, no, dude. You know you're exactly right. Like I was watching, like when he's open, like he's butt naked open, mm-hmm. like he's probably not gonna make it because yeah. you can just see like he had he gets tense. Yeah, he slows his footwork down and he's thinking. He stops playing and he starts thinking because he's in his own head. I completely agree with that. Definitely, man. So Giannis is one of my guys in the league. So I'm rooting for him. I had him as my MVP this year. He's going to win MVP this year because the Bucks definitely going to be a top two, top three seed. Definitely have to be top two if uh, the Raptors don't get that number one spot. So I'm hoping for Giannis to get the MVP this year, man. That that, that would be definitely be dope for Giannis. Um, So, yeah, so we're getting ready to close out the show. My man, Nick, I appreciate you joining me, my brother. A&A basketball player, developer, my brother. I appreciate you joining me, my man. It was a pleasure. No doubt, man. Hey, man, appreciate what you're doing for the basketball culture, man. Keep doing it, man. Yes, man, no doubt. Definitely, man. I appreciate it, man. So, uh, family, that's Above the Rim, episode 77. We out. Let's say you just bought a house. 
Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents, which means you're going to start telling your kids to clean up before the cleaning lady comes. Doesn't make sense, but you're the parent and they're the kids. You're going to start telling them that now, too. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. And there's your opening to remind them who pays the bills around here. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations. This is what flow from Progressive sounds like in one of our many hilarious commercials. Hi! Did you know that you can get a quote on your motorcycle insurance in under three minutes at Progressive.com? And did you know that saying hi makes even bad news sound good? Hi! You have high cholesterol! Hi! You're fine. And this is what that same commercial sounds like on your motorcycle. Hi! There's no more even our commercials sound better on a bike. And with basic policy starting at $75 a year, Progressive helps keep you on yours. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Annual premium for basic liability policy not available in all states. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.